Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Curious Competitor Podcast. I am your host, current New Jersey Devils defenseman, Connor Carrick. Today, I'm very excited to share our guest with you, Jana Webb. Jana is the founder of Joga, a three-dimensional movement system that combines the science of yoga with the biomechanics of sport, which is a fancy way of saying it's yoga for jocks. She is a, a very compassionate person, a very ambitious businesswoman. She is a, a single mother uh, to a son playing in the GTHL, which I think will relate to a lot of parents that listen to the podcast. She is an extraordinary individual, one that I am uh, better for knowing, and now you do too. So thank you for joining us today. Let's do this. Jenna, first off, I'm super excited. Thanks for uh, coming on today. I think that there's, I don't know, a lot of parts of you as a person that I'm, I'm super curious about um, as an entrepreneur, as a leader in the fitness world, as a single mom. You know, I think that you have a wealth of, of experience and a wealth of passion really to share. It comes through so clearly in our work together, definitely, you know, on your, on your social media channels and things like that. Um, but tell us a little bit about your background, your origin story, because I don't know a ton about it. And, and I know we talked very briefly about, you know, sort of some of the health scares and, and trials and tribulations you've had. And I think that, you know, sharing your story will really equip someone with maybe the curiosity or the knowledge to be able to, you know, make change in their own life. Uh, whoever out there is listening that's having, you know, trouble right now. Yeah, well, I think it's important to frame this by I was always one of these people when somebody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I never quite knew the answer to that. And so my life has been these series of events that have led me to one thing, which is, you know, forced me to change course and then led me to another opportunity. And that's kind of how I've lived my life. And so with where I'm at now, if I, you know, reverse engineer to how I got here, we need like you know, 10 hours, <laughs> but as quickly as I can, um, you know, what kind of spearheaded, because we are talking about like where I am as an entrepreneur right now, what um, I've created in yoga started, you know, almost 20 years ago, I was in like a little car, like a little car accident. And I was told at the time I had all this soft tissue damage, et cetera, et cetera. And I ended up in that, at that time I was actually working in marketing. So I was the main person for Corona Canada. So literally my job was to go around from bar to bar and like take a Dos Equis out of somebody's hand and like replace it with a Corona. Like that was my job. Pretty important stuff. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, so it was in that time I got in the car accident. I was laid off my job cause I couldn't do anything. And I was sitting on my couch in Calgary and at the time I was watching Oprah and she had these thing called aha moments. And I was like, well, this ain't mine. You know, I've got no job. I can't move all these things. And I was like, what do I really want to do with my life? And so growing up, I had always been an athlete. And so I was always like the tomboy, the ponytail, like playing every sport. My brothers both played hockey. I grew up in hockey ranks. Um, but my best friend was a dancer and she always came to school and she was like so beautiful and stoic. And, you know, I was like, oh, I just wish I could be a dancer. But I could never dance because I had like bow-legged legs, like I had the weird body. Um, they wanted to break my legs when I was little. I couldn't turn out. And while I was watching Oprah, she was talking about these aha moments. And I was like, you know what? I want to dance. 
I want to be a dancer. So at 24 years old, I auditioned for the Randolph Academy out here in Toronto, which is like the triple threat Juilliard of Canada. And they're like, what's your experience? Like, do you dance? Do you sing? Like, do you act? Like, what do you do? And I was like, no, <laughs> none of the above. <laughs> yeah, 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 but I'm here to try. I thought you guys praised effort around here. Now I got all of a sudden be qualified and skilled. What do you do? If you can't teach me to dance, if I already knew, I wouldn't come here. Right. So I was that person. And so I basically begged them to let me in. And I was like, listen, I don't, I'm not coming to this school to be famous. I'm not, you know, I'm here to just prove something to myself. So they accepted me into this private school on all these conditions. Like I had to do like extra dance classes, extra this, extra that. Well, it was while I was in this school that I met this lady named Glenda Balkan. And she used to be Christine on Phantom of the Opera. Beautiful singer, amazing human being. And I had all these restrictions just because of this little car accident I was in. And she's like, something's wrong with your diaphragm. And so she started to do all these stretches with me. And I was like, oh, I feel like I was doing rehab. I was doing physio, chiro, acu, everything. And everything that she was doing with me made me feel better. And I was like, what are you, what is this? And she's like, it's yoga. And I was like, what's yoga? Like, this is a long time ago. Like, yoga was not trending. And that's kind of where my journey with yoga started. And I was that person at the time I was a student. So I found like every studio in Toronto that offered like unlimited yoga for $20 for the week. And I'd like run around from studio to studio. And and what happened while I was in this journey is I would go to the class and the same outcome would take place. And that would be, I would feel good mentally, but my body would hurt because I have a tight body. My hips are internally rotated. And, you know, I used to like try to sit in meditation, but like I'd be angry because I'm like, I can't sit cross-legged. And so all of these things, I hurt my back. You, rel- you relate to us hockey players. Yes. <laughs> now, now I know why we get along. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, why isn't there anything out there for bodies like mine? Like, I love this idea of this mental, like at that time in my life as an athlete, I wasn't talk, I wasn't taught about breath. I wasn't talking about meditation. And so those are the pieces of yoga that I really loved, but it was the physical part that I hated. I'm like, I suck at this. I'm used to being good at everything. (laughs) Like it hurts my body. And then came this adventure of me creating this thing called yoga, which has been my life's work over the last like 17 years. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And so in terms of you went from enjoying yoga, particularly the mental component, to identifying some of the issues physically. How did you go about educating yourself and sort of equipping yourself with the knowledge needed to develop the modern day yoga? Hoagie, no, Bubba. <laughs> Hoagie's yelling at me. Yeah, no worries. You know, I just, um, one of my very first bosses taught me this, you know, a really important lesson. And he said, always surround yourself with people who know more than you. And so that's what I did. I surrounded myself. I knew um, there was an opportunity to work in sport. And I was like, this is where I want to work. This is where my passion lies. And so I just surrounded myself with people who knew way more than me, including the athletes themselves about their sport. And just took this, this thing that I had. And it was literally trial and error. I was, you know, learning how to adapt this this thing called yoga for this athletic body so to be honest it started with the athletes themselves right and I was like did this make you feel better did this make you sleep better did this help you in the gym etc to then moving all the way up to working with sports doctors and you know sitting in these rooms and ultrasound rooms when athletes would come in with injuries like ACL tears and just understanding like how did that happen and what would be the rehab or the prehab component to that type of injury so 
just educating myself by surrounding myself with really smart people. And then honestly, just learn to do by doing, you know, I just, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a physiotherapist. I'm not all these things that you would think that you would need to be, to be in like in my position, mm -hmm. but there is a part at some point in your life where experience outlays out, Oh, outlays is that the word outweighs <laughs> the right word outweighs like books like what you learn in a book right and so everything yeah, that practical learned, knowledge versus theoretical right one thousand percent so that's you know what you know what i what i do and that's what works for me and kind of like you i'm, t I'm just curious i'm like what like what are you doing like let me yeah, look under every rock trying to learn little hacks there little proprioceptive cues and things mm -hmm. like that yeah exactly yeah very cool so along your entrepreneurial journey i'm assuming your marketing background once you decided to sort of launch because I, now i know that you do train other coaches you work with professional teams like the, i would imagine if i were to set out with a fitness brand that i you know my sort of training system and my ideological uh you know training dream whatever it might be like you would be a brand that i would look to to see how you've done and how you've been able to grow and continue to really educate the educators. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it all comes back to the product. And again, understanding like who it is that I am selling my product to, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm working with the best athletes in the world, I understand that the best athletes in the world are offered many different types of training. And so you, ha you have to be really good at what you do. And to be really good at what you do, you have to be do your due diligence and you have to be doing it all of the time, right? And so I always say to people, this is all I do. For 17 years, I'm just trying to make my product the best product for the, the end user that I'm working with. And then the second piece of that, and we talk about it is passion. I will never get tired of that feeling of walking into a locker room and training a team, or even if it's my son's team, a professional team, it doesn't matter. If there's a room of athletes in front of me, that passion lives in my belly. And when I can find other people who have that same passion or think they have that passion and I can fill that space for them and give them a modality that could potentially kick open a door or open up an opportunity for them that's the second driver for me you know i remember once i got uh, one of my coaches got a job with the calgary flames and she called me and i it, like that for me was just awesome i you know because that yeah. changes her yeah. whole career trajectory that changes her family's life everything everybody's life right so yeah there's everything that i do involves passion and creating and trying to bring that passion out in other people because i wake up every day very happy with what i'm doing and so if i can curate that and help other people be inspired with what they do every single day whether it's joke whatever it is just get excited about something and, and do that i think that's interesting you say because i do as a pro athlete i do get a lot of these you know hey try this or i got this product and and you know one of the things that i always sort of audit for or screen for with anybody that i want to work with you know, professionally, I've spent a lot of time trying to cultivate and, and create my career is mm -hmm. I try to, is this person as curious and hungry to be their best as I am? And I try to ask that question of my agent. I try to ask it of the trainers that I work with, uh, the nutritionist, my producer here, you know, even, you know, Colin Steingard, where I want to work. I love, it's such a privilege in, in pro sport. I take it for granted that I get to come to a rink every mm -hmm. day where and you've got, you know, 20 to 23 players, uh, the coaching staff, the GM, there's such a hunger to be our best. And it's one of my favorite parts about being a pro athlete every day. 
Yeah. And I, you know, and I, when I, the first time I heard that from you, I think was you came on one of our certifications and it was so perfect because you said to the coaches that were developing and training, you said to them, you know, I, I have opportunities to do everything all of the time, right? And so if you're gonna take time out of your busy life, then you've done your due diligence as well, right? Like you've done your homework as the athlete, which to be honest, you don't always see, right? But in your That's case, true. you do. And you know, when you went off the call that day, I was like, oh, I wish every, I wish every athlete was as curious, like did the same thing because I, my whole thing is if you're getting paid and this is your job as an athlete, why wouldn't you do everything in your power to invest in yourself to, to be the, you know what I mean? You have a, this platform that- You know, and I, I, I grew up expecting that. Like I grew up as a fan of pro sport. I grew up, you know, um, hard on my favorite athletes. I wanted them to be successful. I couldn't believe they made a bad pass. You know, now I'm the guy on TV getting the Twitter mentions saying, you know, hey, you suck. You didn't make that play tonight. But it's funny, like even- uh, the, I live on the third floor of my building, and on the second floor, I have a, a gentleman. He's an older gentleman named uh, Sid, and he'll see me all the time. He's out walking his dog, and I'll be, you know, going down the stairs with my hockey bag and my gym bag and like my six water bottles because I'm going out from you know <laughs> eight eight thirty a.m. till five p.m. when I'll come back. I got two meals in my cooler, and he'll be like, "Hey, uh, you going to train today?" You know, and I'll be like, "Yeah, Sid, going to train," and he'll say. Uh, all right, good. You better be. <laughs> I just love this, yeah. like this, you know, this guy that, you know, is so, I don't know, fiery, I guess. I, uh, that's okay. It kind of, ke it keeps you cannibal though. Right. Like when you have those, you know, cause you also, I'm a, I assume as an athlete, get, you know, in your day to day and get used to, you know, this thing, you do. right? Well, yeah. you do. And what you purposely though, well, I feel like what the body needs is consistent challenge, right? Like the body will get the challenge, it'll adapt and, and you know, integrate it into the nervous system of sort, and then you have a new challenge, right? And you can, you can really apply, apply this principle across, you know, weight training for sure, that's an easy one because you're, you're seeing the weight go up. The skill development side is a little bit harder, but there's very few things, you know, whether it's uh, how many times I golf in the summer to, you know, my, if I'm working on a particular skating lesson, like if I put the hours in, my body will integrate it, will download it. Um, the mind though enjoys, I think variety. And I just try to plan for that, you know? So mm -hmm. that's where a yoga or, you know, uh, Eldo is another uh, training system that I've, you know, integrate from time to time. That is a little bit of a different pace and, and, coordination skill set, I guess, than what's totally I'm going to the gym and doing every single day. Mm -hmm. um, and I find that when I'm able to have some range in my repertoire, I don't get the mental staleness that you would. Now, I don't really have a recipe for, you know, success there like during a season. Like there's, there's a lot of just suck it up days during a season. You're playing okay. a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, you're on the road. You know, I was, uh, I was even talking with, you know, Lexi, my wife, the one day we were talking about, you know, how these guys are doing with back-to-backs uh, -back in the bubble and things like that for playoff games. You know, if you're not traveling, like mm -hmm. I was thinking, like a back-to-back -back is totally doable. It's the, it's the day you get in at three, four in the morning and then you got to play the next day. That's tough. Right. Um, but you do, you do get, that's why I have so much respect for, I think, the athletes that I've looked up to and now I've had even an opportunity to play with, the guys that have been there forever. Like in mm -hmm. Jersey, it's, 
it's Travis Zajac and Andy Green and Toronto is Patrick Marlowe. Like, you know, Patrick Marlowe had played 1,650 whatever games, 1,700 games, and he's still taking two cold tubs a game, taking all his gear off, jumping yeah. in the cold tub after the first period, jumping in the cold tub after the second period, and going out there to play the game. And wow. I just had such respect for someone that year in, year out, just did it. He, just he tried it. to be his best, period. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I understand that you did have a second accident though in your life. I did. And yeah. that presented some other unique challenges a little bit later. Let's talk about if you're comfortable, let's talk a little bit about that today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm at the stage now through a lot of work that I've been doing with, you know, 10 different people in my, in my, in my toolbox. But, um, so I was, so just to give you some backstory in this, cause again, I think it's important to understand the backstory. I had mm -hmm. just finished filming housewives. So I was on the show, the Toronto housewives. Again, I chose to do that show at first when they, they reached out to me, I was like, what? <laughs> Not a billionaire <laughs> pay everything. <laughs> like when they asked me like what my favorite shoes were, I was like under armor. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> I was like, I do not fit this role. But then, you know, I had trained Bethany Frankel years ago. I had some clients in the Hamptons and I had met her and I always admired what she's done with her brand. And so mm -hmm. she's like, you know, you get, need to get your platform on like where millions of people can see it. And so when they, they phoned me to cast me for this show, I had that moment where I was like, oh my God, Jana, this would be a great marketing platform for your business. So I said yes to the show. So I had the best summer filming the show. It was awesome. Uh, we finished filming October 30th. And during the show, I thought it would be smart and strategic to open up a yoga studio in Yorkville. So I, I leased that a brick. Smart. And, yeah, it's a good area for it. Yeah. So I leased a brick, bricks and mortar, had no idea how I was going to pay for it. Like I was like, I'm going to bootstrap this business. And literally like Two days later, I got a call from a Dominican baseball team. So I used to work with like where David Ortiz and Robinson Cano and Jose Bautista, like mm. where all where that feeder team is in Dominican. I got a call from them to come train their baseball players. And it was for so many days for such a, so for an X amount of dollars, we'll pay you cash, like all these things. And I was like, well, I just leased this like million dollar space in New Yorkville. So I should say yes to the job. I've never said yes to work just to be clear for money that's not my driver but in this case i was like i well, actually sometimes need, you need some, yeah sometimes yeah. you need some cash flow so i said yes and did the contract and then literally on my way home coming back to alberta or to know where am i sorry toronto um i was like driving and literally like just kind of texting all the coaches and doing my due diligence saying like thanks so much for having me and then I was like, you know, I'm just going to put my phone down and I'm going to actually look out at the ocean because I hadn't seen Dominican at that point. I'd just been mm -hmm. at the baseball field the entire time. So I just like put my phone down and I looked out, out to go look at the ocean. And then literally I remember just turning to look forward again. And there was a big red cement truck like right there. And so we were hit head on um, by a cement truck in the Dominican Republic at full speed on the on the highway. Yeah, it's, oh it's crazy. Like, and I think of all of the different pieces of this. I'm in a third world country. Um, I don't speak the language. Right. And the only thing I remember is like that moment, like right before the truck hit me and I saw an image of my son's face. And I was like, this is it. Like, I'm, I'm done. Wow. And then I remember waking up and I was like, the first thought I had is I'm alive because I can hear my breath. And I was like, just breathe. 
and I, I, bur- I took a breath and, I, and it felt so painful to take a breath because I had broken my back and I was cry- like, it was awful. And, and then all the, I remember there was a bunch of Dominicans trying to help me, like they were trying to pull me out of the window. So in, in North America, this would have been a jaws of life situation where the firefighters were to come and like tore the car, you know, and pulled you out safely. Yeah. But in this case, it was a bunch of locals trying to pull me out through the window because they thought the car was going to blow up because there was gas everywhere. And so I couldn't tell them how to stop doing this, even though I knew it might, something was wrong with my back. And so, yeah, they finally got me out. I'm sure that caused more damage to my body, you know, than, yeah, yeah. than everything. And then I don't remember getting to the hospital. I just, I, I remember waking up in a hospital in Dominican and, and kind of understanding what had happened. And then, and then again, don't remember anything to like maybe a day later where I woke up and I was just in, you know, a neck brace and lying flat and in this room with like no familiar faces. Like it was awful. And to understand that I had broken my back and, and I was like, okay, I just need to get home. Like all I kept saying, I remember to the doctors and the nurses, like, okay, like, great. I broke my back. So just get me home. Like, just get me back to Canada. And it's not that easy because nobody wants to take responsibility for me at that point because I have a spinal injury. And so if I hit turbulence or anything like that, like where I broke my back, I could have been paralyzed. And so they wouldn't let me travel home. I had to stay there for a week. Um, finally, I got an air ambulance and was airlifted back to Canada a week later. And then that's kind of, you know, I, I mean, obviously the first person, I just wanted to see my son and yeah. my mom and dad had flown out to see me. And that's where, you know, it kind of hit me that I had been in a really serious car accident. Up until then, I would, there was so many, like, you know, I was on pain meds and, you know, Dominican too, like you have to understand it's a totally different country. And if, if this accident would have happened in Canada, they would have treated me a lot differently than, yeah. so that week in Dominican probably caused a lot of, you know, challenges for my, my rehab, you know, in terms of just where their medicine is at yeah. and what they do. But what I, what I'm learning to say and what I, I say now is like this accident has been a gift for two reasons. One is I look at it now as holy, I, I was so strong going into that accident. Like my best friend was just killed last year in the, in the exact same car accident and she died. And I, and I, it is a testament to strength. Like she didn't work out. She didn't, you know, and like she, that neck flexion, she broke her neck instantly and died. Whereas like I have that, had that same neck flexion from getting hit at like 80 kilometers an hour. My neck didn't break because I'm, you know, we teach about the neck strength and in sport and in yoga and the core strength, like everything that we talk about with, with, you know, yoga, especially in just in, in sport, as you know, is like that lower lumbar stability. And so I truly believe that because I was strong going into that accident is why I'm walking today. And this has changed. And the second piece, that's the physical part. I was like, okay, hey, I'm good physical, you know, yay, check mark, I'm walking, all these things. The, the long journey and the hardest part has been this brain piece. Like even talking to you, I have to concentrate so hard on getting my words out in the right order. Um, there has been a lot of cognitive challenges. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, the concussion and, and this is now, I know my, my purpose and passion moving forward with athletes specifically what I've been through on the concussion side, um, on the emotional side, like all of those things that you hear about are very true. I've been through the anger, the depression, like 
you know, you're just confused all the like you're you're all of a sudden you're angry and you don't even know why. Like these are very real things that happened to me. And I spent the last three and a half years trying to get better from them. And I am getting better. But and I'm fascinated by the brain. I'm so I just know moving forward. I don't know what that next chapter looks like, but I just know, given my own mental health and what I've had to come o- come over and and change I'm getting on the other side of it. And so I'm like, if I can do it now, I ha- now I may have the tools to help somebody else. Right. Which is again, just taking, so, yeah. I think such a part of your nature, like you, you do have uh, an ability to, you know, it's not like you're sitting here saying everything was rosy about the accident, but there is, mm-hmm. there are parts of it that can serve you moving forward and serve the people that you serve. And, you know, I think that, you know, even for your son playing hockey, you are now such a resource. If heaven forbid he were to have any issue, all of your athletes, now you have a Rolodex of, of doctors and information that you've tried. That's at least a good initial pathway. And, you know, it's interesting you say that about mentally trying to do your best, even on the podcast here, something that may be very natural for a lot of people to just have an AB conversation, but you know, the nervous system has a lot of things and the brain has a lot of things that it's taking care of all the time, right? Like it's mm-hmm. trying to take care of our balance, it's trying to make sure our organs are functioning properly or we're breathing. It's doing a lot for us that we're not always aware of. And I was working with this uh, concussion doctor uh, here in Chicago with the same purpose. I've definitely had bumps and bruises. I've never missed a game, uh, but I've had my fair share of what I feel were, you know, concussions while I was playing. And mm-hmm. the fortunate part was I was never... I've never really been um, symptomatic thereafter where I've had issues, but I've definitely had like the moment of impact. I, okay, I think something happened. I you know, saw some color kind of thing. And so anyway, I have this relationship with this Chicago um, concussion doc on purpose to kind of take a pulse every summer, you know, uh, get my brain scans done, trying, you know, keep tabs on my, you know, brain health from, you know, his lens. And one of the things he was explaining to me was, you know, Connor, the brain in general only has a hundred percent of its capacity. And if there's injury or, you know, dysfunction in a particular part, other parts will lend and take away from the job that they're supposed to be doing and help elsewhere. And he explained, he goes, this is why, you know, for example, um, elderly people, he's like, it might be more difficult for them to be by the book, open-minded, for example, he goes, this is why, you know, uh, everyone's got the story, grandma, grandpa, this is what they eat every day. You know, this is what they do. This is who they are. And and they're not changing. (laughs) Right. Um, He's like, it's very hard for the part of the brain that's responsible for open-mindedness and creative thought and and for creating new neural pathways to function properly when, you know, maybe this particular person just focused on balance and just putting one foot in front of the other. And for me, it really... um, sort of shook me and made me think like, you know, wow, I, I really need to take this seriously and have a plan of attack, have a fire escape if I were to ever have a serious concussion. Cause I, it's something that anytime I I play with someone or, or know somebody that's gone down this road, uh, mm-hmm. I make sure I take the time to try and learn ahead of time if I ever need to rely on this. Cause it is, it's amazing that it was like, a made up injury for such a long time. It's right? amazing that it was yeah. something that people just played through because it is very yeah. real. Yeah, it's very real. Yeah. And, and it's, it's open, you know, big part of what I do. Well, I, what I, what I 
what needs to be a part of my nature's empathy. And so I've had, you know, I used to understand athletes just from the competitive side because my brothers had their issues with, you know, coaching and hockey and all these things. And that helped me understand it. And then from my own lens, but now from this brain injury side, I remember going to train the Argos once and one of the football players came up to me and they're like, hey, Jay, I can't do yoga today. I'm concussed. And I was like, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> like, yeah. I had no idea. And now I'm like, like, there's days like I can't even get out of bed. You know, I had to, there was a big event here on Saturday night and I was like, I, seven o'clock. I'm like, I can't go. I'm, I'm having a day. Like I'm, you know, I've been vomiting for three and a half years. You know, it's like a oh. re- very real thing. I'm disoriented. I'm dizzy. Um, I'm getting better, but you know, and I've kind of been lying low about the injury as well because of my business. You know, I'm also, it's hard to be vulnerable when you're running your company and, you know, I'm a single mom, like there's really no days to be sick. Right. And so I think my, my injury is taking longer to heal because I haven't given myself the opportunity to take the time to heal because I can't, you know, like the business is, has to run. This is my livelihood. William has to get to hockey, has to get to school, all these things. So I'm learning now how to cope in this new sphere. And it's, yeah. And I want to say, I want to tell everybody, but I just, I can't because, well, I am right now. (laughs) But you know, there's a piece of it. And I respect you for doing so. I do. Because I, I, do you know, um, do you know Melissa Urban at all? Do you know the name? I don't. She's the CEO and founder of (laughs) Whole30, which is like this, you know, elimination diet. Like it was a, it was a big piece of Lexi and I's like health journey. But anyway, you remind me independently of her. She's this very strong, um, you know, female uh, businesswoman who is, you can tell she's, she's, she's very sharp. She's extremely uh, competitive and and precise with her business. She's got a a great brand and, and, People are very loyal to her. She's aggressive on the marketing side only, but she's beyond authentic and, and, and very real. And I don't know, it's an energy thing, but you remind me of her and I don't know her other than I follow her on Instagram and we've uh, direct messages like, you know, saying what's up about a product or something that she likes or a training modality that I was doing that she commented on. Um, but she is documenting very similarly. She went through, I think, I can't remember her accident, but she had it. She had a massive concussion. What's, and she'll say, you'll have like, to send me her name after because I've yeah, already I will. forgotten it. <laughs> I yeah. will. I will. Yeah, I'll, I'll text it to you. But <clears throat> I, maybe, you. you know, someone to just know is going through something similar entrepreneurially, yeah. you know, because um, I feel that. I, I live in that world. Mm-hmm. I live in the, you know, I'm like, you know, my dog, unless I'm really hurt, you can't, you can't show it. I'm not going to take myself out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, um, even as guys were going into the the bubble, it was like a serious discussion on, you know, like NHLPA phone calls was guys don't play with COVID. Like if you have it, you have to not play. And like, that's yeah. a serious thing we had to, you know, discuss. And I, it's, um, that's part of the podcast is to help highlight the strength in integration and vulnerability. Cause it's not widely accepted. And I do feel we can get there though, where mm-hmm. people are not, it's hard enough to deal with the injury. It's hard enough to balance the business. It's hard enough to be a single mom. And then you have to balance 
gutting it out all the time on top of it. It's not mm-hmm. easy. That's very no. difficult. And I respect you so much thank, for going through it. Thank you. And I feel, but, and again, back to the athlete, like this is just the athlete, like there's no other way. Like when you grow up, when you grew up, when you grow up, grew up, whatever the word is, um, competitively and it, like, that's just, this is just all I know is just to get through it and to survive and to keep going. Right. And so there yeah. is no, there's no other way. Um, for me, there's no other way than just to just keep plowing. I'm just like a workhorse. I'm like, I'll just keep going until I yeah. get knocked down again. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of healing yourself and with the business, what are your next goals and what have you been doing? What's been successful for you? Yeah. So, you know, this was supposed to be the year of Jana. I was like, I had this like epic tour lined up for the summer. I finally landed all these speaking opportunities at conferences globally that I've have been on my bucket list. And, you know, I am the yoga business is, you know, kind of self-operational at that point. And then COVID and then March 17th happens. And, you know, me and my boyfriend and the kids, we were all planning to go to Mexico so we had to cancel Mexico. We ended up going to the cottage, like winter camping. And I was like having this pity party. I was like, we can't travel. And I honestly thought it was going to last like a month or something. And to be honest, it was Kevin from the New Jersey Devils who called me and he was like, Hey, is there any way you can train our players right now? Like, well, they can't do anything. And I was like, ding, 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 Jana Webb. This is your chance. Another this, aha, is your, yeah. this is your opportunity. Like it must usually- be it must be suspenseful <laughs> to be you, knowing you're just waiting out there, just the way your life has been going. You're just waiting for the answers to drop from the sky. That's brilliant. It's gotta be and suspenseful being you. Totally. And that was it. I was like, this this is your opportunity because for the first time in my life, like it's been, as you know, being in the world of sport, it's a very competitive industry. And it's not been easy to get it to work with the pros. Like it has yeah. not been. And I don't want to ever like anyone to ever think that. So when this opportunity happened, I was like, we've got all these athletes who don't have gyms, most of them, and who need training and we can do it remotely. And so the last six months for me have been the the best six months of my yoga life. I've worked with more athletes probably in the last six months than I have in my entire career, which is amazing. Like that's all we've been doing. And so, so when you say what's new with yoga, it's kind of interesting because when I was thought I was going to have this year of Jana and now it's turned back to this year of yoga, but in just a different ecosystem, we're doing it online. Like before I was flying in and out of New York, like, you know, trying like getting on a six o'clock flight, like, you know, scooting my son off to hockey or to school on his own, racing back to get him to practice. Like this was my daily grind for a very long yeah. time. And now we've got this thing called zoom and we've got this opportunity to be digital. Now I'm training like 10 teams a day budgets. There's no problem with the budgets. Like they're not paying for my flight, like all the fancy cars picking me like all the things right and i have more accessibility so for me this has been a silver lining for the for an opportunity to see more athletes and to do more trainings you know i've certified more coaches than i ever have in the last six months so yeah it's been great and i'm you know i'm i say that very humbly because last year i did have to um, closed my yoga house because it just, the business model wasn't working. I was, I've been too sick to operate. I was too sick at the mm-hmm. time to operate it. 
And that cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I was like, I went through my COVID last year. I'm like, I've had the ready, yeah. financial stress. I've done all that. So for me, this is this has been a gift. And I'm now training people differently than I ever have. We're even looking into like artificial intelligence now and mm-hmm. how to frame people's bodies so we can make them even better and have some tools for um, benchmarking and for... Um, assessments and things like that. So just, you know, always trying to get better, right? Always. And and I think that is the the fun in that. Like how sad would you be if, you know, well, you had one of these aha moments and someone, (laughs) you know, some spirit, you know, from the grace of God said, you know, Jana, you've done well. Congrats. This is it. You've you've peaked (laughs) and just enjoy it for a bit. Um, You've got nothing else to learn. You know, you've, you've learned all there is about yoga, the body, the, you know, the body brain connection, um, you know, how to breathe properly with the diaphragm and, you know, business wise, you've, you've peaked. This is it. Mm. And that's something that I'll use sometimes to talk to myself like that, you know, when I'm really frustrated, because there are times of great frustration when you are someone who is constantly pursuing growth, there are I don't know if they're the right word is plateaus or particular moments where, oh my God, you just feel like you're pounding sand. Like it's, it's, you're, you're, you're not progressing the way you need to. And it can be very frustrating for a competitive individual. Mm-hmm. Well, I always say to myself, if I can, if I hear myself talk about yoga one more time, like I'm like, okay, so what is yoga? Yoga is the, <laughs> but I was like, but every single time it comes out of my mouth, it's just there. Like I'm still just as passionate about it as I was the first, you know what I mean? The first time that I talked about it. So thank God. Um, but I think, you know, where, like you, I think I'm always just, I'm always like, there's more, there's more, there's more. Like I know there's more. And I don't even know what that more is. It's just like when somebody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm just going to like let life be as it is. And from life moments and experiences and what I learn, then, then I'll, then the the universe will figure out what's next for me. Like I've never been that person who's like, I'm going to be this person in five years, or I'm going to be this person in 10 years. I'm just not that person, which I think, scares a lot of people and a lot of people mm. are uncomfortable like i don't have a paycheck i have zero idea how i am making money this year you know it's yeah. literally day to day and for a lot of people that's there's there's fear in that right um and i think for people like us who are curious and maybe i and i'll ask you this question next but i i love waking up next day to the feeling of like anything could happen today like words can just like Kevin Morley just falls from the sky and says, Hey, yeah. you got to join yeah. athletes. Right. So with the, like, and this was my question for you in starting this podcast. Um, cause you, you said I could ask some questions if that's ask okay. All, ask away. Yeah. yeah. Is, is what, what was your inspiration? Cause I think that you're a little bit different of an athlete than I've ever worked with before. So what was your inspiration um, a for becoming more curious about your own body and investing in your like, you know, subconscious and conscious mind and then my next question was, what led you to want to do this podcast and, and talk to people? Well, gosh, there's, there's a lot to that. And the, so where you were as a kid, where everyone's kind of asking you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. That's a question that's normal. You, you try to, you know, stoke the psyche of a, of a young boy or girl and, and, you know, prod their interests and get them to dream big and, you know, okay, well, if you want to be a pro athlete, you know, well, this is kind of what pro athletes do. And you introduce them to the process to kind of eventually 
hopefully get what they want. Well, I'm, I'm kind of there now where I am a pro athlete, but now the question I get is, well, what do you want to do when you're done? Connor, what do you want to do when you're done? It's like, I don't know. What do you, th- what do you think the next 15, 10, 15 years will look like? You got it all fi- Like, I, I don't have it all figured out. So that was kind of in the back of my head. And that's been going on ever since I went pro. It's a question that as soon as you turn pro, it's asked all the time. Um, I've got one year of school done. I uh, went one year at the University of Michigan. I've got 30 credits done. Um, I would consider going back if it was a little bit more clear on what I wanted to do next. That kind of led me to, I think it was about two years ago, my wife was telling me she had just started listening to podcasts pretty often. And Lexi's like, oh my God, I'm going to send you this podcast. I love this one today. I really think you'll connect with it. You need to listen to it. All right. Yeah, w- whatever. <laughs> I, I, and, and I think my answer was, Lexi, I've got enough hobbies. I've got enough habits I'm trying to you know, integrate right now. I'm good. Like, I'm just trying to do my thing. She's like, no, like instead of, you know, music in the car, it, it kind of replaces the reading habit that you're struggling to, to maintain. I was hooked. Like from the moment I listened to podcasts, it was like pump up music to me. And, and I couldn't believe the diversity that was out there. If I want to learn about brain health, if I want to learn about gut health, if I wanted to learn about, I don't know, everything from the benefits of, you know, barefoot style shoes to grounding to what I should eat to you know, war stories to get me through a a tough time. I'd go listen to, you know, a veteran talk about, you know, uh, being overseas in the Iraq war, you know, while I'm nervous about like my treadmill test tomorrow during my time with the Toronto Maple Leafs. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I got to run a trip, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) And Jana, what I thought was so cool was now that I was starting to listen to these podcasts and I was starting to learn of these spectacular people wrote, I would feel so invigorated from them sharing their story. Um, I kind of grew up, you know, so, so I had this, this podcast love that was new and budding. And then I kind of had this, you know, from hockey in the, in the background, I consumed all the YouTube I could growing up, all the training videos. And I am very jealous of, you know, the athlete growing up today with all the accessibility via social media. Right. And so what I figured was, I want to participate in these conversations. I want to, there's people that look up to me in my community. I want to have these outstanding people that I look up to on my podcast, re-gift it, give it to them. I know I'll learn a ton in the process. Maybe it's media training to go into it someday. At a bare minimum, it's public speaking training, which I think is always a, a vital skill. It's, you're training the ability to listen frankly, which isn't, doesn't come natural to me. I'm a heavy talker. I always have been, you know, I remember the first time, uh, you know, neighborhood kids looked at me like I had 10 heads and just told me, you know, you talk a lot, you know, (laughs) and he wasn't the first. And I, I still remember that day. So I figured I love the power of story. I think every individual has one. I used to think that, you know, even when I was a kid, I was kind of a thoughtful kid, I guess. I don't know if I was deep or what, you know, older than I was, but, you know, I would, you know, be driving mom and dad, be driving me to the rink. And I would like imagine all these cars passing by me and just think every single person has their own story. Like every single person is living a reality I know nothing about. And the curiosity behind that, behind what a person, because honestly, before this conversation, you know, you'd hinted on how we both know Sam Gibbs and, you know, I'm going to have him on the podcast at some point. He talked about you know, kind of how you were recovering from these accents. I was like, 
I don't really know much about that. I really appreciated our time in yoga. You know, I really mm-hmm. appreciated um, the positivity you brought via your social media channel. But beyond that, I didn't know you. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really cool is the podcast is this really reflective process for me. Most of the time, if I get my preparation right, and, you know, if I am able to listen and not botch, you know, a, a key story that someone tells me, I'm able to really, I don't know, give someone the joy of, of talking about themselves and, and going through the therapeutic reps that is going through your story with somebody, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sort of that process. And it's a long winded answer. Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily what I want to do after hockey. I'm not sure it'll be successful or not to that rate. Um, and I guess the final straw of it would really be just the ability to dream again. I liked the abundant nature. I liked the idea that I could talk to anybody at any time and it could become anything mm-hmm. that I wanted. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you know, maybe someone would tell me, uh, you know, hey, you know the odds on being a pro athlete and they were super low. Well, I imagine the odds on being a really successful podcaster and, and earning a living out of it are very low as well. But what I do know is I enjoy doing it and that's a start. But maybe it buds into something of that nature. I don't totally know. Um, But I know it's fun and I learn a lot and I'm a better Mm -hmm. hockey player for it. So that serves me short term and long term. And that's the, that's the short answer. Awesome. And perfect timing during COVID. (laughs) Well, that was, that was kind of my idea. It was like, if I'm not going to, if seriously, if I'm not going to do it now, Mm-hmm. I won't like what is what what excuse did you have Connor uh, mm-hmm. you're too busy you're focused on the season well you don't know when you're playing again so you might as well do this and honest to, honest to God part of me took COVID as emotionally and, and personally as, a, as an experiment similar to how you had your COVID last year and had to go through this financial struggle I wanted to go through this like practice test of okay I'm going to retire someday what if the league just in theory never came back? I'm still going to train and get after and do all that. that right. That's fun for me. That's not necessarily work. That's just a habit at this point. Um, but what if? And so it's got a low barrier to entry. Um, I've got some raw skills maybe to do it. I've got some raw contacts that can help me where I lack, you know, on the tech side and the strategy side, I guess, to keep it, you know, more clear and concise and compelling week in, week out. I'm still learning that. Um, but why not? Like if, if not during COVID. Absolutely. When else? Know, <laughs> not on when the road. Else? Yeah. When else? No, no. And I was excited to, because to be quite transparent, this is the first interview I've ever done involved from a sports person. Like, mm. I, you know, which is kind of interesting. I've done all these different interviews and, you know, f- but I, I was so excited to do this one. One, because well, I'm, my athletes have never they just think I'm this yoga person that comes in and like, I probably just stepped on a mat one day and I was like, Oh, I want to work with athletes. And, you know, I, I want people to know that there's this story and where it came from and where the, you know, the challenges have been and how hard it's been, you know, it's not, you know, it's not been easy. And I just know that I'm making impact and change every single day. And that like you took the time to get to know me, which a lot of people don't. And so thank you for that. It, it means the world to me. Um, you know, especially being a female in an industry where it's, you're already, and it, it is what it is. You have blonde hair, you're trying to work in hockey or football or whatever. There's already a stigma attached to that. So that that's already a, 
an obstacle, right? And then trying to implement a modality that some people see, especially the old gray-haired men that make some big decisions in sport, to implement a modality that seems so foreign and like not a part of their ecosystem, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So there's been challenges and yet I keep going and I keep trying, right? And, And why? Right. Why do I like why? Because to be quite honest, like when I saw James Harden just go through that series of playoffs and to know that we've had a little piece of his not all of his success. We talked about this, but if we we've been a little piece of his training right over the last year. And when I watch him on the court there, I'm more invested in him now as a human, not as an athlete, as a human. Right. Because we've we've had some interaction like he does yoga which yeah there's the physical pieces of yoga too but there's this huge mental and emotional piece to yoga that these athletes at that level that caliber need and we unveil i like i like to look at humans as these onions and like there's all this surface stuff at first right it's like oh dude do the thing or whatever but i'm like as i gain trust and as i gain respect with these athletes i get to the core of who they are as human beings. And those are the people that we're helping, right? And those are the people that I I look at at the court. They're not an asset to me. I'm not the owner. I have no investment in that team at all. I'm not even a part of the organization. I'm just an outsider coming in and truly and trying to make that human better. And that involves many different things, right? And I think that was kind of the social element of trying to start the podcast was particularly in Dallas, I, I got traded, played for like a couple of weeks and I broke my leg. I was out, I think it was 11 or 12 weeks. I can't remember now. And, you know, it was very lonely. I, I was kind of like the chronic new guy where, you know, I was new when I got there. Uh, when you're there after a couple of weeks, you're still kind of new. I didn't go through training camp with the team. Mm-hmm. It was after the full training camp with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, you know, my wife and I hadn't had a ton of time. We didn't really know anybody down in Dallas and, you know, beforehand we didn't have any like pre-existing friends on the team and we didn't have any family members. So it was like, I kind of was just there to break my leg and hang out. And, (laughs) you know, I was, I was a little lonely at times and the team was on the road a ton. I don't know what happened with the schedule, but I felt like the first six weeks, like they were totally uh, gone when I, when I got hurt. And I think that there was a loneliness component you know, and there can't be to, you know, pro hockey. I, I have seen it, you know, mm-hmm. particularly you're on the road a lot. Um, also lack of diversity in conversation, mm-hmm. I think was something I wanted, you know, every day you come to the rink, it's talking about winning the next hockey game. And that's great. And there is the locker room joking around and that's great too. Um, but, the, you know, I get paid to, to be somebody at the rink, you know, to be the player that I am. There's a persona that comes with it. It's not as vulnerable as I am here, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I am a little bit of the teammate, you know, notice somebody's down and say, Hey, what's up? And kind of stoke the conversation that way. And I will. Mm -hmm. And then I I do think being a professional athlete, I wake up, you can tell you have such a a pride with the, the service and the improvement that you're able to provide physically and mentally with yoga for people. And Mm that's, you can tell it's at the core. That's what keeps you going. Mm-hmm. Um, I wake up every day and I'm worried about one thing, one person, and it's me and it begins with me and it ends with me. Mm-hmm. Being a pro athlete is inherently, I talked about this a lot with, uh, on the Jana Hefford podcast. It's very selfish. 
Mm-hmm. And that's great. It, you're, you're, you have to be, you're supposed to be, you've got only one real crack at this. You've only got one career. When you're done, you're done. And, and then you can go on and, you know, take up some of the, the range of different interests that you have. And that's what, you know, guys do. But I felt that I had time for it. You know, our practices are normally done at, you know, one, two o'clock, you know, we're yeah. there at, you know, nine, 10, whatever. Um, I figured there's enough time for it in a day. You get one off day a month. You know, at least we did, you know, under the normal season last year, I thought to myself, I'm like, okay, if I wanted to start this podcast and I, if I got ahead of, you know, if I pre-recorded and got some of them done, like maybe for training camp, so I didn't have to do it during training camp where I don't know the schedule. And then during the season, if I just scheduled like one in the morning, you know, you get one off day a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you do one a week, it should be pretty sustainable. Um, and that's where I finally decided to, you know, go out there and, and do this because I do mm-hmm. know for whatever reason, it's more common in other sports. You see other athletes involved in, in other investments and, and, you know, financially, mentally, and I get it. Maybe the money's just not there with hockey. Maybe the branding side just isn't necessarily there. Like what might be in basketball or football, but I figured why not? I could definitely start here. Um, and I got to say, like, I think it's cool checking the viewership every month. You want to see, yeah. you know, what the numbers are and who's doing well. You know, we're having conversations around, you know, being able to have presenting sponsors and, and that kind of thing. We're, you know, Colin and I, and I work with uh, Brand Ford is the name of the branding company that I really love with uh, Patty Hubbard and Stephanie Martin. And I'm, I'm, we're very careful about who we even talk to about, um, you know, on that side. Mm-hmm. You know, right. but, you know, really for me, it's been what, what really gets me fired up is when I have like a close friend or like I have two younger brothers that'll text me, hey, this is what I really got out of that in particular. Like, for example, we have a really close family friend, a kid named Tom Abrams, um, and he's graduating, uh, just graduated business school from University of Illinois, and he's getting ready to like go into the corporate world you know, Mm -hmm. and, and really start grinding it out. And I know from other friends that have gone this similar route, like, you know, some of them struggle with purpose. Some of them struggle with passion. They don't love it. A lot of them struggle with their health. They still drink like they were in college and they're not eating good because you never eat good when you're drinking. Right. Um, you know, and like Tommy, for example, texted me and said, Hey, I, you know, the Robin Sharma podcast where we really echoed, you know, the ability to work very hard, but rest very deeply and how important that was. Like that really fires me up and you just never know when that might come out of a guest, the particular part. Like we don't know, we're like we're definitely enjoying this conversation, yeah. um, but we don't know the particular part that's going to connect with who's listening. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what's, it's all fun, but that's really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully, yeah, you never, yeah, yeah. Hopefully they're, <laughs> the words fall on us. <laughs> I'm listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a lot more to say if we've got time. <laughs> we do. We do. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, what are we, 40 minutes through? Yeah, let's keep her going. What other questions you got? Um, so I was, <laughs> I'm looking at my notes. My one question was about your scar. Oh, this old so, thing? Okay, so yeah. here's my, th- yeah, I don't Google people, by the way, I'm notorious, I'm like, I just want to learn who you are from this conversation. Yeah. I could look up your name and probably find it a bunch of information, but that's what I choose not to do. So yeah, that guy, what's that from? This was on, I had, so this here, I, uh, 
jacked my pinky up this past year. Okay. And I had surgery on my pinky. So I was out, I don't know, what was it, a month? And I went to come back and I went on a conditioning stint with Binghamton in the minors. And, you know, it's always scary. Every time you get hurt as a player where I'm at in the NHL, where I've been, you know, leash-wise, there's not a lot there. You know, it's, it's very hard just with the pace of the NHL game to miss any time at all, let alone, you know, when you're usually fighting for a lineup spot, you know, as it is. And uh, so I went down on a conditioning stint. I, was, I, you know, felt I was playing pretty well. And all of a sudden, the second period, I go stick on puck, and the thing comes up and jacks me uh... in the face, right? And, you know, similar... You get hit in the face. It, it definitely hurt a lot. Um, you know, I went down uh, the ref. Actually, I, I kind of like fell after I there was like a dog pile in front of the net, and I got up, and the ref looks at me, and goes, oh, <laughs> "Oh my god!" <laughs> I'm like, "That's not a good sign." And I'm like, "That can't be good." So I skate down the other end of the rink. This during the second period. We're in Hartford, and I'm going to open the uh, the door. And I can see myself in the reflection. And I'm like, this is not good. So anyway, it was, uh, I got 18 zips um, wow. this last year. And it was all oh, sore. So like, fresh. you know, I, it's fresh. Yeah, it happened, what was it, January? Wow. But I got all like all sore from like the fashion, the, the, the tissue like in my scalp and in my head, yeah. you know, from like all the jaw muscles that like kind of reach up. So I was like, I don't think I had a concussion from that one, but I definitely was like, like my, my fascia around my head is yeah. sore like yeah not like a headache it was really really weird so i've been trying to lindsey vaughn actually got me name drop sorry about that but lindsey vaughn <laughs> actually got me yeah like this scar cream and gave it to pk yeah to give to me and i i've been trying to use it i probably should have been through it by now my wife is always asking me to hey can you take care of that and i'm trying but it's not easy it's yeah it's, it's a it's big there. one now yeah. i kind of lead with it and yeah. you know it's kind of a a sign of you know, your battle scars, you earn them and, and you get to keep them when, you, mm -hmm. when you're done with them, you know? Mm -hmm. So but, my next question was about as a young, because I have a 12-year-old who's going through the yep. GTHL right now. Did you grow up in Canada or the U.S.? Chicago. So Chicago. Chicago. But I, okay. I know the GTHL well. Yeah, we used to go yeah. up there and play all we could. Yeah. And so, you know, these kids, like the, the coaching, I don't know how much has changed in the last 10 to 15 years, but... You know, did you always play AAA, double? Like, were you pushed? Did your parents push you? Was it, were you your driver or did you have somebody drive you through, you know, this is those a great tiers? question. And mentally, I, I try to go back and remember it too. So, my mom was more so very involved on the homework side. All three, I, we have three boys in my family. Uh, my middle brother's name is Blake. My youngest is Hunter. Uh, we're all good students. You know, I was particularly um, really ambitious and always got my stuff done for that because I learned at like a very young age, in order to do what you want, you have to do some things that you may not love as much. Like right. that was, if you want to play hockey, you got to do good in school. That was a conversation with mom. Um, dad supported mom and was also just, he was, my dad was a very big dreamer. And the conversation in our home was always, someone's going to play in the NHL. Why not you? And I would say that my dad definitely pushed me as a kid, but there were conversations that we had as a family that were, okay, Connor, I did play AAA all growing up. I started at mm -hmm. nine. I played up with the 10-year-olds and then all the way through till I was 16 and eventually went and played junior hockey. But, uh, you know, it's, it's expensive to play a mm -hmm. hockey at the AAA level, you know, from a time commitment wise and from the travel. So my dad, every, every year, we just have a conversation of like, hey, 
you know, I could join the local country club, but I'm not because I love your hockey and, but I need an effort. And my dad held me to it. He held me accountable. There was Mm -hmm. definitely a lot of conversations around effort. And when it was there, you know, my dad was, you know, passionately very happy for me um, and and with me. And when it wasn't there, you know, my dad was like, we had this conversation Mm -hmm. and you have to own up to what this, what is going on here? Cause I'm, we're giving up a lot. We're sacrificing mm-hmm. a lot as a family for this. And maybe the conversation was a little serious. You know, when I look back for some people, like I know, you know, other parents might've said things to my dad at times that he was being intense or whatever, but like I, mm-hmm. I had an appetite for it. I don't know yeah. why I was always a kid. You know, we'd be playing ghost in the graveyard at a, at a friend's house. And then I would like, sneak off and because he had an unfinished base and I'd be like shooting pucks in my buddy's basement like while everyone at the gotcha. team party was playing I just I always and it's weird that it was hockey because I played mm-hmm. baseball at, mm. at a you know pretty high level like we had a, a, a quite a few division one commitments and a couple of kids get drafted and stuff and I took it seriously but it was a game mm-hmm. baseball was a game for me hockey was I'm going to make it I have to make it mm. and I don't know why that was different I, mm-hmm. I, I don't. Um, as far as kids today, I think that, you know, if I were to have a child in hockey, I, I don't know how I would implement. I used to give advice to play multiple sports. I think that's mm-hmm. still my advice. Mm-hmm. I know how time intensive now the summers and that are. And I remember mm-hmm. missing some of those tournaments because I was really the age where that really started to get popular was the summer select tournaments and things like that. Um, I still think developing the, the athlete long-term is good, but mm-hmm. I mean, you know how competitive it is. You, you got to stay in the fight too. So you can continue to get the ice time and continue to get the better coaching at the better levels. And, you know, you're in the Mecca of it up there in Toronto. I mean, it's, it's extremely competitive. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's hockey everywhere and, you know, I don't know, maybe the final part of it, I'd say is of even starting this podcast and where those two questions are linked was I did want mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about mental health and fitness and wellness and resiliency and introduce this as part of a conversation in certain homes. My hope was, you know, Mm -hmm. if I had young listeners, great, you know, some of this conversation might be, you know, a little bit mature, you know, and and dry, but uh, definitely for parents out there, for youth parents that, oh, wow, like, you know, Connor is talking about the importance of mental resiliency for athletic performance at the professional level. Maybe this Mm -hmm. is something that is a conversation we should have in our home. So, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, my dad definitely pushed me. My mom definitely pushed me because she wanted, you know, we all wanted to make my dad happy. (laughs) Um, And we loved it though. Hockey's given me so much. My brothers and I, we all kind of bonded over it growing up. And I was that kid. I was just, I was really serious about it. Mm-hmm. And I really want, I was extremely competitive, you know, I get it. but that's just I, it, you know? And I think people think, you know, you see successful people, like some people might look at me and at you and be like, Oh, he just made the NHL. Like he's had it easy. Right. And, or she's got, you know, whatever people think or judge or see people as who are frame themselves as successful, but like in that, and this is why podcasts are awesome. You start to learn there's a common thread here and there's sacrifice. There's like wanting it more. There's all these little underlying things that I think 
especially now kids need need to learn right like you're not going to sit down and play nhl on what xbox and be a good hockey player right like you you actually you know you have to be you have to take sacrifices you have to miss that party like all the kids are going to a school party and you're not you're going to team practice probably right and so and i was that kid like i i had a lot of advantages i had you know, access to ice that was close to my home. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say that about a lot of the world in terms of access to ice rinks and that. Um, I played with uh, a kid named David Gust, whose dad had owned the rink. So, you know, we had, you know, some better ice time slots and access. We had like a, a slot on Wednesdays that was extra that I was, you know, lucky enough to be invited to. But I definitely looking back, like I, all those cliche work hard, study the game, uh, you don't get to go to that party. You, I downloaded that and I, I did everything I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I really did. I took the book that, you know, elders before me or, you know, older players that had, had given me advice and I went to town with it and mm-hmm. I didn't go to that party. You can ask my wife, like I was kind of a nerdy, you know, kid in high school. I was, I was a hockey nerd. That's how mm-hmm. I identify it. The, the only guy that I ever, <laughs> you know, really, I feel like totally uh, fit that word even better than I did was like uh, when I was with Jason Spezza, for example, down in Dallas, I was like, this yeah. guy, <laughs> this a guy's nerd. a hockey nerd. He's, <laughs> totally. he's a special <laughs> hockey nerd. This guy, you know, he's like, you know, 38 years old, not missing an optional pregame skate, mm-hmm. not one time. And, uh, you know, but so I think, I, that's um, such, I think that's such important advice though, because I really think that people just think it's easy and like, it's not nothing in like, it's not easy. There, you know, it can be, but I think like to get to where it is that you want to go or where you see yourself going, it's not easy. And you've got to, you know, reverse engineer it and, you know what I mean? Figure it out, right? Figure out what's more important. And there's, there's levels to it. It's something I even had to go through in my, my pro career. So, you know, for example, when I used to grow up uh, and go to a game, like my thought was I'm going to dominate the game tonight. I'm going to be the reason you know, we win. Well, there's been times in my career where, you know, your ice time's sitting at eight, nine minutes. Well, you're, you're not going to dominate the game at eight, nine minutes as a demon. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's a, now you, Connor, you have to use a different mental skill set just to get to 10 minutes. And then when you get mm-hmm. to 10 minutes, you can get to 12 minutes. And there's been constantly like a, a thought process around how do I play? What do they actually pay me to do out there? Uh, what am I not doing enough of, you know, strengths and weaknesses wise, you know, you really do have to be, you have to be talented for sure. And there's a lot of hard work that goes into cultivating Mm -hmm. that talent. But at the NHL level, you got to be clever. You've got to know what a locker room needs. You got to know what a team needs. Mm -hmm. You got to know what to say at the right time. You got to know what not to say at the right time or or do. This extends into play as well. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be, you've got to be crafty. And that's something that like looking back over the course of my career that I can, you, you want to play the game in a way that you're proud of when you're all done. Mm-hmm. I can definitely look back and go, I've been gritty. Like I've mm-hmm. been crafty every step of the way to stay in the NHL, to grow to the point that I have. Um, and still not satisfied. I still think right. my best hockey is ahead of me. That's awesome. You know, that's awesome. I really do. I really do. That's exciting. How about, how about in terms of what I do or don't show on, on the podcast, what would mm-hmm. you like to see as a mother of a young 
hockey player? What do, would mm. you want to see more of? What types of conversations would you like to have on here? Well, I think it's important, like you talked about mental resilience, um, beyond hockey, like these kids are managing stress from school, like social media stress, technology, like the world is just moving so fast that I really feel like their nervous system can't handle everything. Mm. And so I truly feel there, it should be a part of a curriculum of some sort in school. It's just mental resilience or mental something, um, because at some point it's just the frequency is just, it's too much, right? Their circuits can't Great handle point. this frequency. So I think we need to, and this is, you know, now moving into youth sport, like that's what we're talking about where, you know, like here's your deep belly breath, take it. You can take it before an exam at school. You can take it if you can't sleep at night. You can take it if you're nervous because your coach is being an asshole and, you know, called you and like, yeah. this is happening in the GTHL. And, you know, I've kind of put my foot down and I was like, I'm choosing not to let my kid be coached by somebody like that. Cause there are some coaches yeah. out there that will just ruin these children's minds. Right. Um, so mental resilience, I think there needs to be conversation on what kind of coaching should be accepted. Um, these, these are kids, right. And the way that some of these kids are spoken to, I'm just like, this is just not right. And so there needs to be better training for coaches and who we let coach our kids. There needs to be a no, better gatekeeper for that. There's a particular point that I completely agree with was in junior hockey in particular. Uh, a lot of these junior coaches, you know, I was fortunate to have some ones that I really liked. I was fortunate to have some ones I, I really did not. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the massive jump in terms of the way we were talked to and treated as players from when I was 15, you're a youth player. Mm-hmm. When I went and I was 16, playing at the U.S. development team, I was talked to like a pro. Overnight. Right. And you, like 16 years old, when I look back, like I was still, you're a young man then. You can handle some challenges, don't get me wrong. Yeah. You're two years away from being able to like sign off to go to war if you want Right, right. Um, but it was just so drastically different. And there mm-hmm. was no, there's no, and I, if I look back, I'm like, I think our coach at the time thought he was, thought he was coaching mm-hmm. pros. Like, mm-hmm. and now there's a whole separate conversation of how you should, you yeah. know, maybe talk to pros. But, you know, at the end of the day, in a results, you know, or in a business like uh, hockey with, with winning, you know, there's going to be things that stick around if they, you know, tend to work. Mm-hmm. Um and that was something where on the mental side, that's where I really wanted to take responsibility was because I realized with some of these tough, like, you know, junior conversations with coaches that I didn't get to control the coach. I don't get to coach the coach. I mm-hmm. just can coach myself. And I, I don't know what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, we had, a, <laughs> we had a pretty volatile, you know, coach at the time. So I'm like, I really don't know what this guy's going to do at any given moment. Yeah. Um, and I have to be prepared if he's going to flip out, you know, condescend, yeah. uh, sit me during an international tournament, whatever. Um, I'm in control of me for mm-hmm. the most part, you know. Mm-hmm. And I totally feel you there on the on the uncon, you know, the subconscious side, like the nervous system, all the pull. Mm-hmm. I didn't have Facebook, I think, until I was done with. Until I was at the U.S. team, and I was never really on it. And I feel that even in my day to day, like the mental frying of the notifications on my phone and 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a busy guy. I'm, I'm in the NHL trying to, you know, do my thing. I, I do get a lot of people that reach out and, and I'm grateful for it. I love the attention and interacting with mm-hmm. great people, but it, it takes from other things. Totally. Yeah. And I feel for the kids, you know, um, and th- that is a lot on their plate. Yeah. It is a lot on their plate. And I, I hope that, you know, I, I hope that you're doing great work introducing oh, the you. breath work and yeah. you know the the physical mental checking in i think that's so that's so helpful at that age and i it's very much one of those things that now when i make progress i think to myself like what how many situations when i was 16 17 18 could i have used this mm, you know right? what a gift this would be if i could go back and hand myself totally. the tools that i have now yeah but, I have a cute story for you, and then I, I have to go because I actually have absolutely. to get my son to hockey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't stay a second <laughs> longer than you have to. We yeah. gotta go to we gotta go to Cujo. Um, but you know, we were we were at a hockey tournament this year. I think it was in Montreal for Will's team, mm-hmm. uh, Chicago Fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, so I go in before the game and just do like a little pre, you know, activation with the team. Mm-hmm. And I do the belly chest breathing. I do the eye exercise and I explain it. I was like, you know, your right brain is for like your creative things. So, you know, like Wayne Gretzky, if you watch him play, he was just like the most creative hockey player. Right. And I explain it to that. So the kids understand and like the left brain is like what you do on in your practice, your skills and your drills. Like you're going to remember what your coach tell, told you. And your front brain is your thinking, like your ability to react and, you know, non-react. And so we talk about all the different parts of the brain and what we're doing and i rehearse this like every single time so like within 32 games they might they might understand it right (laughs) to the point that at the end um i would always go have a beer of course because that's what i do i have my beer and the coach sends me a photo from the dressing room like they didn't call me down yet and i was like why aren't they calling me down to do the pregame and he sends me a video of my son leading the yoga session the belly chest wow. breathing all the little hockey players are sitting under their little spot and they have their eyes closed they've got their right hand on their belly and their left hand on their chest and they're doing the breathing and they're like we've replaced yoga with woga this is amazing this That's is awesome. like career highlight <laughs> and the, the marketing side is just like oh woke culture <laughs> woga i get it I, this is gonna <laughs> It's going to family business. It's going to work. It's genius. But just like to your point of making impact in youth sport, like it's it, like these kids need it. Like out of everything that I was talking about, it was the breathing that they, that they remembered. Right. So that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, and I, let's not keep you, Janet. Thank you so much for your time yeah, today. Thank you. Um, super awesome conversation. Where can people find you on Instagram? If they have more, if they want to know more about yoga and yourself. So yeah, yoga, Jana and yoga world.com yoga Jana, done yeah yoga Jana, awesome. it's easy yeah thank easy. you so much awesome. you guys thank yeah. you thank yeah. you run we'll chat soon i know okay. i know you gotta go bye thank you everyone for joining us today thank you to Jana for her time i'm 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 hoping her son isn't uh sitting there outside a rink like i was when mom or dad forgot to come grab me from hockey practice uh, it happens hockey moms and dads i know they'll be okay but um awesome podcast today with Jana webb i think that such a authentic person. And I think the connection was particularly strong in this one. I always try to, you know, share the story uh, with my guests, try and come out with a, a couple key points that, you know, both you the listener can take and, and try and integrate in your life and that I try and download and, and bring into mine. Uh, but just the connection, particularly um, from an emotional standpoint was really strong today. And it was, it was a lot of fun to be a part of. And then uh, in terms of the takeaways for today, 
there's three key points that I really want to touch on. One, I love the free yoga story with Jana. I think that it's a, it's a sort of a footprint or of who she is and, and a little bit of a clue into how she operates as a person, just making the best that she could uh, with the research she had at the time. Um, her passion. I think that anything you're going to do in life that you're going to be successful at, that's going to be sustainable for you to, you know, continue to do year in, year out, no matter, you know, hell or high water. Uh, Jana is deeply passionate about yoga and what she believes it can do for body, mind, and spirit. And that, you know, really came through uh, in our time today. And then I also want to touch on, you know, we talked a little bit about, you know, the accident she's been through, uh, the holistic approach that she's been able to take in, in healing herself and trying to take responsibility for her well-being and really fighting for a quality of life. If you're someone out there that is struggling with your health, there are resources out there. Maybe we have to get, you know, creative and and making them accessible to you or easy, more easily uh, integrated into your life. But I really appreciated, you know, Janet going into a little bit about her story that maybe she hadn't, you know, publicly shared before. Uh, and with that said, you know, that's all for today's podcast. Thank you for joining Jana and I, uh, please continue to like subscribe, uh, comment goes a lot, goes a long way for us trying to grow this podcast, trying to continue to evolve in, in this new endeavor of ours. And, uh, thank you again for joining me as we both try to become more curious competitors. We'll see you again next week.